Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Run for the Song Podcast. Hello. Welcome to episode 8 of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is probably one of my favorite rock drummers of all time, Mark Richardson from Skankanancy. Mark is also known for being one of the drummers in Feeder and another band, Little Angels. I must admit, I am a rather large fan of Skankanancy, so this was really special for me. I've never met Mark before, so meeting him like this was really great, and he was such a nice guy. He explained how he originally got into drumming and some of his influences back then, how he joined Skankanancy, and actually how he joined Little Angels as well. We talk a little bit about Skankanancy singer Skin when she appeared on The Masked Singer. He also delves quite deep into his addiction problems that he had while he was in Skankanancy and how he is trying to help others in similar positions. He also describes what it was like joining Feeder after the death and suicide of their drummer John Lee and what it was like recording a few albums and touring with Feeder. He also talks about some of his most memorable moments of his career including headlining Glastonbury Festival. He's also got some really meaningful advice for drummers who like to hit hard. And he's got some advice about how to reduce any injuries. And for any bikers out there, he also talks about one of his hobbies, biking around the world. And he's done some really great charity work with that as well. As always, I hope you're all following me on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find my personal account under Dane underscore drums, or you can follow Drum for the Song. On Facebook, you can find me at Dane Campbell Drummer, and you can also join the Drum for the Song official Facebook group. Make sure you're subscribing to whatever you're listening, whether that be on YouTube or Spotify or Apple or any of the other outlets. And don't forget to share this episode with any of your drumming friends or fans of Skunkanancy or Feeder or Little Angels. I'd like to apologize in advance for some of the moments of this podcast where the audio gets a little bit crazy. We didn't have the best internet connection when we did this interview. I've tried to clean some of them up, but there are a few sections that still remain. But hopefully you can just get past those. Let's get straight to the interview with Mark now. But at the end, I will talk about my Patreon page in case anyone is interested in joining up for some exclusive content like bonus episodes and Q&A sessions with me. Enjoy! Drum for the Song Podcast. So hi guys, this is Drum for the Song. I'm really lucky today. I've got Mark Richardson from Skankanancy today. How's it going, Mark? Good, thanks, man. Very yeah. well, thank you. Yeah, how are you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm kind of getting used to the <laughs> idea that I don't know when this situation is going to change and we'll be able to play gigs again, but I'm being yeah. hopeful about it all for next year. Um, yeah. I guess that's the same with you guys. You, you, you haven't played a show this year as far as I'm aware. 
No, and our tour's been postponed from October, obviously, this year to May um, and June next year, next summer, basically. So That'd be great, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but it's the same for everyone. I think the most frustrating thing, really, is the fact that government just don't seem to be paying the arts much attention at all. You know, they just think, well, I don't know what they're thinking. They're not no. thinking anything. <laughs> they're just, like, ignoring us. And uh, it's really bizarre. It is, it is strange. Because um, they, they announced a few months ago that they were going to put all these millions into the arts. And from what I've seen, most of it has gone to museums and posh things. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way of describing it. But, <laughs> you know, um, like a few people that I know that work in like small venues said they haven't seen anything. Yeah. It hasn't got to that level. It hasn't got to that ground level at all. And yeah, now I've got friends of ours in Guildford who run the boiler room. They've they've run crowdfunding campaigns to try and keep keep everyone going. And you know, it, it's dire. You know, yeah. it's dire that they're they're looking down. You know, the possibility of of not being able to, you know, be there as a, as yeah. a as a grassroots venue. And that's that's really. You know the big O2s and whatnot are probably going to survive, but it's the grassroots venues that are going to, you know, are going to suffer. Crowbar's gone down, hasn't it? You know that, that rock venue in London. Yeah, that's the latest, uh, the latest casualty uh, I heard on the news today. So, um, or when this goes out last week. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you heard about that as well, and uh, that was a bit of a shock to me. Um, I've been there a few times. I remember my old booking agent always used to take us there whenever we had a London show and it was always full of other kind of industry people, which was a bit weird. But um, yeah, yeah I, you know, it's a, that's a shame to hear about that because I've had some good times there. But um, yeah. yeah, hopefully they can... Well, I don't know. I think now they, 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 they know that the second wave is, I guess, a sure, judging by yeah. the numbers, whether they've got some, another magic money tree somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly what they're going to do now you know are they going to do the same again exactly i, oh. I don't know but i doubt yeah. it but um yeah if the furlough thing because i obviously with self-employed people not just in the arts but i think you know there's so many guys who are at the loose end yeah that were kind of doing okay with the the kind of self-employment furlough money that lasted six months i think um yeah and now that ended in August and there's no show, shows coming up as far as I'm aware. So, No, no, there's very, very few. And the ones, you know, the ones that are happening at a socially distanced, yeah. you know, I don't level are very, very few and far between. Yeah. So, um, never yeah, been. it's really tough. You know, and I, I just, I'd really like to just um, express gratitude to all the crew and everyone as well that, you know, we've, we've, we've had over the years and who, uh, there's, uh, who there's thousands of out there without a job and, you know, who are on a, a daily rate, most, mostly, you know, and um, self-employed and, you know, I just, my, my heart goes out to them all, you know, yeah. because it's really, really tough. It is. Really, yeah. really tough out there. Yeah, um, I agree, so. man. But yeah, hopefully next year we can all make a little bit more if it all goes away. But then let's talk yeah. about how you originally got into drumming then. In the, like, how old were you and what inspired you and who were your biggest influences? Do you want to go just back or do you want to go like right back? 
Go right back. Yeah, go on. <laughs> right, okay. I'll do, it. I'll do it quickly. Yeah. So I'll talk, I'll talk you up to the beginning of Little Angels, hopefully in, in quite a short period of time. So yeah. I was three years old when my nan got me my first tin drum. And I wow. was sitting there like, bam, bam, you know, smashed the crap out of that quite quickly. And um, uh, by the time I was six, uh, I'd been going around to a mate's house uh, Neil, he was called, and um, I was playing on his kit. He just happened to have a kit, and um, and then that one disappeared one day, and because he said he'd sold it to get a new one, and my dad had bought it for me for Christmas, so that was my first kit, and that was a Ludwig Junior, which I wish I still had, because oh, <laughs> it'd be, um, yeah. From that, I went to so so that's three till six years old. I played at home, taught myself, played along to records. Um, you know, uh, your dad's band, Iron Maiden, all of that stuff, Black Sabbath, um, Queen, just played along to it on headphones on the, back then, and we just had these little cassette decks and, and massive headphones. Uh. <laughs> so I would just like play along to that. I actually started playing along to the dad's record collection, which was sort of Buddy Holly, uh, Elvis, and Abba, and Simon and Garfunkel, and all that stuff. And that's really where the, the sort of the I learned I learned the real basics, you know, like just playing four four along to everything basically. But that's all there was on most mostly on those records. So once I'd once I'd got the the sort of pattern down, which came fairly quickly, then I was really early on focusing on how it felt, um, which is really always really important to me that it felt good and that it flowed and. Um, but focusing on transitions came a bit later, but but that was kind of my early memories of like getting better was like, oh, this feels a bit sticky. How can I how can I make that feel better? You know, so so that was from six to fourteen. I basically played on my own along to records and I had a, about six lessons, but I hated it. Really? So um, yeah, I didn't like it at all. It was just boring. It was very, very boring to me. I wanted to be playing along to my favourite bands, you know. Right. Um, so then I'm playing at school. I'm just practising on the school kit uh, one day and, and um, a mate walks past them and goes, I never knew you played drums, you know. And so we, we formed our first band which I think was called Sharp Edge or something like that. Huh. Black Lives or something like something really really sort of first band it was a real good first band name you know yeah 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 and uh and and then we ended up playing for a, one song for the school dance supporting the the teachers band which is called the gels and they played a load of covers for the school dance that's cool so we we went on as like a you know support and played um, and played run to you by brian adams and and that was it and i was hooked I was hooked by, you know, uh, sort of growing up with very little, low, very little kind of confidence and quite low self-esteem. It was, it was something that sort of filled me up, you know, doing that one song in front of all, all those people. My, you know, the, my fellow cohort at that school was, was kind of like, oh my God, they're all looking at me. Like nobody ever looks at me, you know, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden we finished and, and they went nuts. And I was like, oh, yeah, give me more of this. So from that point on, every decision I made um, was to that end, was I need to get in a band, and that's what I need to do for a living. So I had 
every every job up and down the high street for years i just i didn't care what it was it was just i just need to buy drumsticks and drum heads and save up for a better kit and yeah um and that and that's it everything i every decision i made was to was to be able to play drums for a living and from whitby i grew up in a little northeast fishing town called whitby and um i went to college in scarborough and uh i met this band called little angels who are the we know as little angels now but um at the time they were called mr thrud huh. and they had a, a residency at the local theater um and i was sort of in bands like you know trying to i was that i was that guy in that band that did everything i made the posters i booked the gigs i booked i you know, I could, I had a car, I had an estate, obviously, because I'm a drummer. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I did everything, basically. And I, I just got um, to the point where, like, I need to meet people that are doing better than me who can bring me on because I wasn't getting anywhere doing what I was doing. So I found this band called Mr. Thrud, and they had this residency, which at the time was, was um, quite an amazing thing. And they'd sold out the ground floor of the Royal Opera House in Scarborough, which is about 1,500 people, just wow. from, yeah, just from doing local gigs and playing in York and um, what have you. And um, I just made a nuisance of myself. And I went there to their residency every week and I helped eventually got to know them. And they were like, who the hell is this kid who's just hanging around us all the time? You know, but I was persistent and um, I got to know him a little bit. Uh, proved that I was, wasn't a nutter, I was just a nice kid who was interested in what they were doing. Helped them, started helping them load and unload and got there early to help them unload, stayed late to help them load up and finish off and, and um, became quite good friends with them, um, especially Toby, the singer, um, who I stayed in touch with quite a lot. And I'd, I'd send him demos of, of the bands that I was in and he'd, you know, give us advice and, uh, you know, see see how to, to you know to try and help us improve and and, and whatnot, and um, and that's how I, that's how I met them. Mister Thrud then signed to Polydor. They got a deal with Song Management first, and then they got a deal with Polydor Records shortly after that. And wow. um, and they'd had a couple of drummers. Dave Hopper was the first one, uh, and he was he struggled in the studio uh, with his nerves quite a lot. So they not sure whether they replaced him or he left so they needed to to find another drummer yeah but um the next one was michael lee who i'm sure you know and uh he did now then he did the first two records with them and then he went off to join the cult right so here's a story so before i get to the end of my little story here's a little sub story so, yeah okay yeah yeah so how I get my break in the music industry is, is a direct result of Stephen Adler's heroin addiction. And, right. and, this, and this is how it goes. So Stephen Adler in Guns N' Roses, he gets fired for having a terrible heroin addiction, bless him. And so Matt Sorum from The Cult joins Guns N' Roses, yep. which leaves Dool in The Cult, which Michael Lee leaves Little Angels to fill and then behold little angels one day give me a call commitments we need to fulfill will you come and help us do that because you know we kind of want a scarborough lad you know or a yorkshire lad to kind of stuff from got the same background and all that sort of stuff yeah so um 
I went down to London to help him out with, uh, with a TV show, which was Jim Will Fix It. There was a TV show on, on regularly on a Saturday, I think it was, a weekend, and it was, it was Savile, and it was called To Fix It. And he used, to, he used to fix it for the kids to, you know, make their dreams come true, you know, and he'd have them come and sit on his knee in the sh- on the show and all of this stuff. And mm. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's really not funny, you know. Um, yeah. so that was my first... That was my first kind of professional engagement, really. And then the following day, they they said, "Oh, we need some drums. Um, we need some drums replacing on some demos that we've done. Will you come to the same Samurai Studios? I think it was down uh, London Bridgeway. And um, so I went down to the studio and replaced a load of these drum uh, these these um, drum parts that had been done by a machine." And um, and they liked what I did, and, and they asked and that, they asked me to join, and that so that was, you know, um, a combination of addiction, which is ironic because I'd have my own problems later on. Oh, right. Uh, Stephen Adler's addiction, rather, and, um, yeah. and my own sort of tenacity and and uh, resilience, and just like just attitude of I'm not going to give up on this you know and I just never gave up and eventually Toby called me and said will you come and help us out and that's what led to everything really awesome. that's really the cornerstone that, that my whole career was built on you know these these four, four guys and Kevin Nixon the manager actually just taking a punt on this little kid from Scarborough who they didn't really they'd seen me play a bit but so they knew I could play but I, I've it was my first experience also of, of um, understanding that it's not about being like a massively technical player. It's about doing what's best for the song. And, um, and, and, and that's what I've always done. That's what I always, always have done. I've never been massively technical. Anyone who knows me knows my playing. It's like, yes, I, I do some complicated stuff within songs, but I'm not a soloist or, you know, I don't practice that stuff. I love to play along to music and bands and, and be part of the whole musical picture. Um, and it was, so it was 50% that and 50% being somebody that they could get on with, somebody that they could tour with, somebody that they could have a laugh with and have a beer with, you know. Yeah, but that's what it's, half of it is about them getting on with you. It's not about your drumming skills yeah. and how good a drummer you are. It's, are you a decent exactly. human being to be around? <laughs> exactly, because you can be, you know, Tom, Thomas Lang sort of level player and be an absolute twat. And who's going to want to tour with that? You know, nobody. Exactly. So you know, of course, there's wonderful people with that level of of talent as well. But you know, I think they're quite rare. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's, it was. It was all. It was. You know. 50% playing, not 100% playing, and 50% personality. And that was the same in Scott Canancy. So. You're, still, you're still there, so that's good. But that's, that's amazing that you said that, because I've always thought of yourself as being one of those kind of ideal drummers where you're clearly capable of a lot, but at the end of the day, you're just playing what's best for the song. And that's the name of this podcast is Drum for the Song. So I, yeah. and I firmly believe in that myself. And... Right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really a show-off drummer um, <laughs> at all. But I think it's it's very important, right. and I think it's something you need to learn. 
Yeah, I don't think, I think these days, especially with the amount of colleges and, and music schools and that, that there are now that are teaching, teaching you how to um, read and practice and do all that stuff, you know, it's, it's easy to get lost in the technicalities of playing. It's easy to get lost in the, minu the minutiae of like, oh, that's a paradiddle diddle. But if I start on the left hand and do a ratamacue in the middle, then what, what does that, you know, it's like, who gives a fuck? It's like, what, what are you playing it to? And what's everyone else doing? You know, and that's always my starting point for writing any song. It's like, okay, what's going on? Let me just start with the basic feel of what I think could sit underneath what's happening on the guitar and bass. And then, and then it and then it morphs from there. You know, it never stays the same. It's always a group effort. It's always a you know, well, it's a a, a band. It's yeah. a group of people writing music, and that's how we've always done it, and that's how we still do it. We hire a, a barn on a farm in Devon, nice. and we go down and we and we we go there for a week at a time, and we write songs, and and it's awesome. You know, we love it. I mean, we haven't done it this year much, but no. We've only been once this year, but uh, it's great fun, you know. That's that. That's where it's at for me. It's just like that really excites me. That really makes me happy. It's just that creative process of four people in a room, just like smashing out riffs and you know figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. Like a jigsaw puzzle. Now that's brilliant. That was I was actually going to ask how, what the writing process was like. So you've already answered that. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, it, I mean, there was a there's a few ways really. That's one of them. Skin also used to write with Len Aaron, who was in the first sort of connotation of Skunk and Nancy, was oh, okay. under a name, another name, Mama Wild, I think, which didn't work. But the writing partnership between Skin and Len was was good, and they wrote um, quite a few of the sort of ballads together that we that have been popular. Maybe not so much in the UK, but certainly over in in Europe. Is that um, right? Yeah, well, you. You have a lot yeah. of great ballads in your discography. Yeah, you you yeah. kind of there's always a, like two or three amazing ones every album. So. Yeah, I think I think we're sort of a band of extremes, really. We, you know, we're quite angry a lot of the time. Um, I certainly, you know, Skin's got a lot of things that she wants to talk about, a lot of issues that um, yeah that need talking about. And uh, but then we've got this stupidly romantic side which is sort of uh bolstered by the fact that skin's got amazing capabilities of of melody and um putting these amazing lyrics together so it's sort of there's there's not much in between i suppose my ugly boy would, would sit in between um, oh, yeah, yeah. as would a few other tracks but it's either sort of like raging indie punk or or hedonism, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? I know what it's, you mean. It's weird. We're such a weird band in that respect, but well, it's great. You know, hey, it works. It works. <laughs> you've got obviously you've got a unique, you've got a unique sound, which has obviously helped by Skin's kind of. She's got such a well versatile voice, yeah. but she just nails it and unique sounding voice. Um, which yeah. I was going to mention, I didn't really watch it properly, but the, the Mask Singer. I don't know if any of our UK listeners yeah. watch that. But um, everyone was talking about it online, and I was like, I got to see what this is about. And I watched, I watched one episode with my wife, 
and the duck came yeah. on and I was like, that skin's going to And she yeah. was like, oh, like she, she's, I don't think she's heard as much of your stuff as I have, but I was just like, yeah. I'm pretty certain that skin. And it, <laughs> yeah. and, it was, and it was funny because skin did a double bluff online by saying, oh, what's everyone talking about? Everyone's texting me about some duck. So I was like, oh, yeah. I, I reckon she's uh, double bluffing there. Yeah, yeah. She had to. She had to. She couldn't contractually give away. Yeah. And one iota of evidence that it was her, you know. So everything she said about it had to be like, no, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. That's fair enough. So yeah, it it was quite shocking at first to find out because we didn't even know. She couldn't even tell us. Oh, I was going to ask. Did you were you in on it? Did you know about it? (laughs) Ah, That's mad. Yeah. We, we, I think, I think she knew that if she asked us whether she, whether uh, we thought it was a good idea or not, we'd also, what, you're going to be dressed up as a fucking duck on national television? <laughs> no, it's a bad idea. Yeah, it was a brilliant idea yeah. because it brought band back into the mainstream consciousness. So it was, and she was dead right. We would have all gone, fuck no, we don't want you to do that. Yeah, that's really, you know, it's really not us. Um, but actually what it did was like i said it just it just brought um skunk and Nancy back from the 90 forward from the 90s back into the consciousness of of most people who watch saturday night television and you know you can just hear the thousands of people going oh god i remember hedonism i remember week you know or you know just we got so many messages going oh my god skins on saturday night telly you know yeah so it was uh, it was interesting. Yeah, it was good. It was a very brave thing to do, actually. Very brave thing to do because it could have gone horrendously wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It could have. Um, but yeah, hopefully it did help. And I think it must have been after that. And you did it. Is it last year now? I, I'm so confused with the time. And you did a sh- I, I, I came to see you in Cardiff, Cardiff University. And I think that was after that, I think. Yeah. yeah, and, um, it, was, yeah. it was rammed. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. But, um, and obviously Skin's got a book coming out now. Um, so I'll give her a little plug. She's got an autobiography and uh, yeah. she's just got engaged, yeah. I believe as well. So congratulations to Skin. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She's, uh, she's engaged and, and extremely happy by the looks of it. So, yeah. um, great. and Lady's amazing. So she's, you know, they're a great, they're a great team. They're a great pair. And, um, great couple rather. Um, yeah. And all best of luck to them. And the book, the book, um, I've read the bits, I've only read the bits that I've been included in because we had to touch on um, my sort of addiction struggles and whatnot. And um, so I've read the, those bits and approved them. And it's a, it's, it's pretty good read from, from, what I've, from what I've read. So I think yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. I haven't got my copy yet. I'm waiting for my signed copy. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> would you be co- well? Would you be comfortable talking about some of the addiction yeah. stuff, just in case anyone yeah, else sure. might find it helpful? Helpful. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's, I mean, um, I suppose I, I was considered myself like a you know heavy heavy drinker, really. But but it was always that way. I mean, it's just how it was where I grew up. You know, you, you sort of went drinking after work and. Hmm. and had a couple of pints after work and that's what that was normal and but there was a point where um it became when I was on tour and my personal life was falling to bits where I really sort of dove into that and then 
when I couldn't drink anymore, um, I'd be on, I'd be looking for the Coke and so I'd be on the Coke and then I'd be drinking more. And then it was just like every day, um, for about two years for that, the whole of the post-orgasmic chill tour, basically. Oh, wow. I was, sort of, I was crawling into bed at 10 o'clock in the morning from the crew bus, getting onto our bus just before everybody woke up and, um, and just pretending like I'd had a good night's sleep. And I was in this world of pain, this world of sort of addiction that I couldn't stop. I couldn't talk about. I had no one to talk to about it. And, and my personal life was falling to bits. So, um, yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. And it all came to a head in London in, in 2000, uh, where I had a, a big part, a big 30th birthday party in my place. And, um, and, uh, I rang, I think I, I rang skin and I, I was clearly, you know, three sheets to the wind and God, I no idea what I was saying. And, um, uh, and she basically, you know, read me the riot acts and said, you know, because Robbie, the first drummer, had left because, you know, there was there was quite a lot of there was a bit of a booze problem there as well. So they sort of said, you know, you can't you can't do this. It like doesn't doesn't work with us. It doesn't work with this band, you know, and what we want to achieve. And um, so he said, well you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and he left. And so I joined and yeah. a few years later, I had the same sort of struggles. Oh, and she sort of rang me and said, you know, you can't, you can't do this. You can't sort of be in this band and act that way. So sort it out or you're out kind of thing. And, and so um, initially I didn't know what to do because I knew nobody, you know, like I said, where I come from, probably very similar to where you come from. It's just uh, a drinking culture and to reach out for help in that respect. But I didn't want to keep going the way I was going, uh, but I didn't know how to change either. So um, long story short, my manager found a, a guy on Harley Street that was sort of um, industry guy I suppose and had had sort of helped a couple of musicians along the way right. I went to see him and he said you're an alcoholic you need to go to AA so initially I was like fuck off I'm not an alcoholic you know mm. <laughs> but um, a few more weeks of trying it my own way and not being able to stop still and I thought well maybe I'll take his advice and give it a go so I went to AA um, and that's that helped me to stop drinking. You know, I mean, I don't like it as a, I don't go anymore. I mean, that was 20 years ago yeah. and I haven't had a drink since, but oh, wow. um, yeah, I've been sober 20 years um, Amazing. nearly. And uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done. Honestly, it's the best thing I've ever done for myself and for my family and my, my son and all that stuff. Um, but um, it wasn't easy, um, and as a result of, I think the main thing to say about it all was that as a result of not being able to find information easily, I vowed to myself that I would one day try and make that right and try and change that. Um, there, was a, there was a bit of a, a mental health kind of, 
um, I guess there, I guess it became okay to talk about it a couple of two or three years ago. There was a, there was a big boom in sort of talking about mental health and, and addiction, and I'm sure you remember. And, and um, that spurred me on to get together with a mate of mine, um, and then with two other uh, two other industry people, we formed Music Support, which is a charity for everyone in the music industry no matter what they do whether a musician or a drum tech or a chef or a manager or an agent they can if the the shit hits the fan in their life they can call us wow. and we will signpost them to where they need to go so uh, which is basically what what i didn't have and what i really needed when i was in the sort of the worst part of um the worst part of my sort of addiction my rock bottom i guess it, it, people call it you know yeah and I, I was at rock bottom and i didn't know what to do that's i needed a number to call you know and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. we wanted to make it like the 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 child line helpline you know so we wanted to make it as obvious as that it's like okay if you're if you're struggling musician if you're struggling with addiction and you're in the music industry you call music spot and they'll they'll signpost you to a you know, to the help that you need. And, and that's kind of what we've achieved. So um, just to sum that bit up, it was really, it was hell, you know, it was, was really, really not very nice. Um, and I did manage to get help um, over a long period of time. I found sobriety and managed to stay sober and I've helped others all, all, all the way along. And then, started music support which hopefully will continue for a long time helping lots of others so um but now you know you've, you've got we've got like uh, help musicians uk who also do who who sort of looked at what music support are doing and now have taken on a lot of mental health stuff as well so they're they've now taken on that mantle which is great because they have a lot they used to be the musicians benevolent fund so they have an awful lot of money behind them to be able to um, put things into action very quickly. So, um, you know, they, they, for example, they did a Music Minds Matter report. So they, they just were able to pay for a survey and a report to be done on, on how, it's called Does Music Make You Sick? You can look it up online. Okay. Um, and it's really interesting read actually. And basically what it says is that if you're in a, if you're messed up, you know, if you have, I don't know, say you have a motorcycle accident and you're in rehab and um, part of your part of the rehab is music, it really helps you to recover. Like it's a really, really amazing tool yeah. for recovery. But if you're in the business of making your living out of music, i.e. writing, recording, touring, uh, drum teching, you know, any of, any of those industry, any of those jobs within the music industry, it's a really stressful industry to be in and it actually can damage it. It's really easy to damage your health, your physical health and your mental health by making a living in the music industry. So it's, it's really interesting because the results of the music industry are incredibly beneficial for everyone who listens to it yeah. or goes to concerts. But for those of us making it, it's, it's not, not so, you know, cut and dry really. No, that's, that's so inspiring. And um, I, I think, I always hear of lots of people speak that the younger bands now are a bit more clued up to the drugs and the alcohol. Yes. And there seems to be less 
kind of, I don't want to use the word casualty, but you know, there's less people going that way. It still happens obviously, but I think, I think back like in the eighties and the nineties, it was kind of, that was what, that was what was part of the, that was the world of music. And it was yeah. that's what it involved by the sound of it. You know, you read all Absolutely. these, you watch these films, you you hear all these, read these books, and yeah. that was just part of it. And I think I now, because you're seeing, you know, you're seeing the state of some of these older musicians if they're still alive, if they're still around, um, yeah. and you learn from it, and you're like, well, I want to look after myself. I want to look after my body, look yeah. after my health. So. Hope, yeah, and obviously now there's more tools. There's not there's more places to actually find some help. You've got the internet. There's loads of things on yeah. there. Which I guess in the in the early nineties there wasn't a lot of internet Absolutely. around. Um, it's obviously completely different to what it'd be like now. But now that's it's such a great story. So thanks for sharing that. That's it's amazing. Um, yeah, no problem. No problem. You know, anyone else who listens to this and might be secretly having. A problem or they they might think oh have i got a problem i don't know there are places you can seek help there is and, and i do get messages on instagram and facebook and all that kind of stuff saying you know how did you get sober i don't know what to do i'm really struggling and i, and I help every single i reply to i don't reply to every single message but i read most of them and and if there's one like that then i will do whatever i can to help them out you know? amazing if I could say one thing about it, it's that you're not alone. You know, if you, if you are out there and you are struggling with addiction or mental health issues, it's very easy to think that um, there's shame in asking for help. And actually, you're not alone. There's a lot of other people out there with, with similar problems. And I think that's more in the differences between people talking about this stuff, because you can easily look at somebody and go, oh, you know, I'm just this little kid from... Would be, um, you know, nobody wants to listen to me. But then I'm, I'm sitting opposite a guy who's got millions of pounds, and um, he's sitting in the same room as me, and he can't stop drinking either, you know. And, like, and that's what we have in common, and that's the power of um, helping someone else. Is is when you when you sit opposite somebody with the same struggle, it doesn't matter what you've got, who you are, you know, you're you have the same struggle, which is I can't stop drinking and I just don't want to drink today. Yeah. So, um, and, and so addiction doesn't care, you know, it has no morals. It doesn't uh, care who you are. No. There's always somebody out there to help. Um, it's just about asking the right people. Cool. Well, thanks so much for that, man. No worries. Do you mind, um, talking about how, so, I'm get now I know the story a little bit more. After yeah. post orgasmic chill, didn't Skunk and Nancy have a little bit of a break? Oh, hi- yeah. hiatus. Yeah, we split up. Yeah, it was it was an actual split. Oh right. yeah, right. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't was, sure on that situation. It was a split because we all had stuff. It wasn't just me. I mean, we all had stuff going right. on. Skin wanted to do a solo record. Um, Ace wanted to do a solo record. There was just loads of stuff going on. Okay. And, um, uh, my part to play in it was that, you know, I was just being a little bit difficult, I guess. And uh, I was struggling with it. I was struggling with the success of the band and I was struggling with being away from home all the time. And, yeah. you know, and I had that this struggle that I just sort of described. Um, so, you know, we all just kind of, 
started to we stopped really communicating on a on a friendship on a friendship level wow we stopped communicating properly or as as well as we had been and i think we if if we were honest about it we stopped being totally honest with each other um and when that happens it's it's always obvious so i think it was it was better to split up and and not um well there's different opinions on this i would rather have stayed together and made a couple of shit albums but skin would definitely say it's better to split up than make a couple of shit albums (laughs) yeah exactly because you don't have any shit albums so obviously in is it 2002 you joined feeder sadly after the the tragic death of their drummer john lee so how 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 did they find you was there a story there so yeah so well so after little angel going back a bit after little angels um jimmy bruce and myself uh jimmy and bruce being um keyboards and guitar from little angels respectively we formed a band called blow and which is uh, like a bluesy kind of rock bands like Hendrixy, nice. um, yeah, kind of thing. Really, really good band. We, we held competitions all the time to um, stay in fans' houses or in their gar- camping oh, gardens yeah. or whatever. And it, and if we couldn't find the fan in the town we were playing, then we'd just stay in the grave, local graveyard or, or whatever. You know, in a graveyard. Uh, yeah, we yeah we used to stay in graveyards and all sorts of weird places, parks and anywhere we could get away with really, which was obviously better in the summer, yeah, than in the winter. But um, and Feeder had released their first EP, Swim, I think it was called, uh, I think, and they were on on that tour with us, right, um, that year supporting us, and then when I when I went joined Skunk, they did. They also supported us um, on a European tour one one time, um, all over Europe for about six weeks, I think it was. So, um, so that's how I got to know him. And John and I were obviously really good mates. And and he he was at my uh, fateful thirtieth birthday party. Actually, oh, so wow. I blame him. <laughs> Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> but um, <laughs> him and him and uh, Brian and from Placebo and really um anyway yeah that was yeah anyway um so what was the sorry yeah so so uh, Feeder supported Skunk around Europe and they supported Blow around the UK and so when uh, when John died um. I th- it wasn't very long after that he, he died that Grant called me and said, w- will you replace him? You know, because the only way Grant could cope with what had happened was to write songs and yeah. to carry on doing what, you know, that's how, that's how he copes with, with life, you know, and, and that's such a good way to cope with, with tragedy and with, you know, is to, is to put it positively into creating music you know it's such a a wonderful legacy for for that for him and for john and john's yeah. family you know that that the, the comforting sound came yeah. out of that horrendous that horrendously sad situation you know yeah um and it's one of the probably the 
favorite one of my favorite records that I've ever that I've recorded is that record. Yeah, it's great because it just I'd, I'd hit a point in my playing where I didn't feel like I needed to prove myself anymore because I'd done three skunk records, sorry, two skunk records, um, Stush and um, Post Orgasmic Chill. Post Orgasmic Chill, thank you very much. Sorry, <laughs> getting old, you know. And uh, and then I did this this record with with Fida and Tucker and Grant, and it just sort of it was such an easy record to make, you know. It was I don't know. It was strange. It was strange because they they were so clearly upset. It was very soon, quite soon. It was that it was that following summer, right after he died, that we went and recorded it. Um, and um yeah it was just a really great sounding record the parts i was really happy with the parts i wasn't really thinking about anything grant knew exactly what he could hear every song finished in his head so you know parts wise you know it wasn't there wasn't that much experimentation going on it was just like you know yeah that's it that's what i'm hearing and um so we we put it down and no, and you know, it's one of my favorite records, one of my favorite recording experiences, I should say. Amazing. Um, and I love the sound of it as well. It's, it's, we, we recorded it at Great Linford Manor in the in the ballroom, you know, and just had these uh, these big baffles up around the kit, and um, yeah, it was it was good. It was good. It was a lovely time. Yeah, man. But but tinged with this horrendous, you know, sort of <laughs> tragic event. <laughs> So, yeah that's true I, i'm gonna go well i remember buying that record when it came out so I, I i'm gonna go and listen to it tomorrow so i haven't listened to it for many years it's been a while since i, I put that. it on the other day and i was just like just love this record yeah yeah it's just just a great record yeah man so anyone check that out feeder comfort in sound mark yeah. is playing drums on it um so you obviously did it you did a few albums with feeder and you toured with them for a few years how yeah. how did that end and Skunk and Nancy reform? How did that kind of work out? Was that a decision you had to make, or? Well, when I joined Feeder, I I would you know I said the the only thing that I have to do is that uh, is that I'm contractually obligated to do, um, a greatest hits with Skunk at some point. I don't know when. Okay. But when it happens, I'll have to I'll have to go and do it, and and um, you know that was obviously fine because the band was split up at that point. So yeah, um, but I did we did Comfort and Sound, Pushing the Senses, and what was the other one? Silent Cry. Those oh, are yeah. three records I recorded with Feeder, uh, and um, we came to the end of the touring cycle for Silent Cry, and um, what was it? I can't remember which was the. Th- the last one but he's in the silent cry or pushing the senses i can't help you with that one. and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i got a call from skunk manager lee and she said you know we're, we're going to do this this greatest hits um we'll have a meeting about it and uh and so i went and did that and yeah and it sort of kind of fell after that last that third feeder record okay but um I can I wanted to do both really and I, I kind of could have done for a few years not for very long but I could have you know done the 
session playing thing for Fido and yeah and done the skunk thing because the industry was changing at that point uh, not ma- not as massively as it has now but it was starting to you know really change so bands weren't touring for as long um they weren't selling as many records but it was a massive changeover period where record sales were going down streams you know, downloads were illegal downloads were illegal, massive yeah. at that point yeah and um uh but touring still hadn't taken over the the main income as main income stream yet yeah um so i basically wanted to do both and um but grant wanted to quite rightly so he wanted to have you know a new band he wanted to have a new drummer and um, which was called brazil yeah who came in and did a fantastic job he was good uh, fantastic drummer uh, now plays with Robbie France, I think. Uh, not Robbie France, Robbie Williams. Yeah, I think he um, was he already playing with Robbie Williams. I don't, rem- I don't remember. He, he maybe was actually. He maybe, maybe was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, good, yeah. great session player. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got Carl in, and I, yeah, and I rejoined Skunk and Nancy. So oh, Skunk out. Part Two. <laughs> yeah. Well, that worked out well, anyway. So and it's still going yeah. today. So it's awesome. Um, exactly. Yeah. What would, what would be the most positive? memorable moment of your career so far um god there's been there's been so many i mean god i know i did a photo exhibition in milan I did, i've done a masters in music industry innovation and oh, cool. i've done the 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 charity i think um music support is a is a huge positive thing a positive aspect to have come out of um, quite a dark place that you know that sprang from quite a dark place uh, initially and, and is having fantastic you know is providing lots of support and help for lots of people yeah now um, I mean we met the Dalai Lama and wow Rotti and we played for Nelson Mandela's 80th birthday party and what? there's just <laughs> yeah, it's just there's just so so much, Dane. I honestly, okay. It's, it's, wow, okay, it's really hard to pinpoint. I think headlining Glastonbury was, yeah. was that was pretty cool and that was pretty amazing, and that came at a time when we were doing really well in Europe and the UK was was just kind of mm. dying on its ass for us, and and all the press were going, why are these? People headlining, you know, Glastonbury, the the last Glaston, the last Sunday night of, of the millennium sort of thing, and we came back and I put I put war paint on my face and you know and nice. uh, and we went out and absolutely smashed it, you know, and we just let the music do the talking and and uh, we were like, that's why we're headlining, yeah, Cause, exactly, because we can, because we're capable of it and we're capable of you know absolutely giving. Um, you know this is what we do you know it's what yeah. people most people don't realize when you, they listen to a skunk record is that they might go oh, that's, that's all right but then if you walk into a skunk and Nancy concert and we come on stage it's a very different thing um even if you don't like the music you can't help but be um just be smashed in the face by skin initially just yeah. like oh my god she's amazing you yeah know? and i know that because it happened to me before i joined before you joined so, right yeah yeah when i joined skunk i went to see 
therapy at Rock City and we walked in and uh, Skin literally was just running on stage. We walked through the doors of Rock City and Skin was literally running on stage as a skunk dancing with a support band and they absolutely blew me away. Yeah. Um, but I remember saying to my mate at the time, I was like, this is the sort of band I want to be in because I was in Blow at the time and um, this, is a, this is the sort of music I want to play and lo and behold, a week later, Blow and Skunk were both nominated for Best New British Band at the Kerrang Awards. And um, I, I drunkenly went over to Skin and I was like, oh, I saw your band last week. You know, absolutely amazing. You know, doing a, doing a bit of um, networking, let's call it. Net networking, that's, <laughs> it. That's, the, that's the correct that's the term, isn't not, it? Not brown nosing, yeah. networking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh my God, you guys just killed me you know it's the best it was literally the best band i'd seen live yeah um, god i don't know in a, in a very very long time and she went oh well our drummer's only temporary and i said that's good because he was a bit crap <laughs> <laughs> i think i said shit i think that's good because he's shit wow and and you know you need somebody meaning what i meant to say was you need somebody like you need a powerhouse in the middle at the back there you know because Louis is a great player, but he was, you know, he was one of these guys right. who sort of played like this and nothing wrong with that, but it just wasn't right for Scott and Nancy. You know, they needed somebody who right. was yeah. absolutely going for it. Like the, the three at the front were. Yeah. You know, and, and um, fortunately for me that she said, oh, well, that's kind of fortunate because Louis temporary and um, he's just helping us out. So I come for an audition. And so I went for an audition and. Wow. And again, I went for like recorded some stuff for them for the Strange Days film, and that was a bit of a test in the studio. And uh, yeah, and then I got and then I got that gig. So amazing. Um, I can't remember why I started talking about that now, but um, mem well, there are mem yeah, memorable moments you're talking about, basically memorable moments. So, yeah, yeah, so that, Karang, that was Karang Awards. <laughs> Getting the phone call from Toby saying, will you come down to help us out? You know, thinking, oh my God, this could be my big break. Yeah. And then, then Little Angel splitting up and starting blow and then bumping into skin and that whole thing kicking off. And then getting the call from Grant to say, you know, will, will you come and join Feeder? And Amazing. I mean, it's just been a ridiculous ride, really. Uh, it's, and I have to say, after every band, has split up. I've like I've I've held my hands up and, and gone, you know, that's probably my shot, you know. Um certainly after Little Angels I was like, well that was amazing while it lasted, you know. And then and then after Skunk split again I was like, well, you know, it's been that's been incredible. We've done we've achieved a lot and we sold a lot of records. I think we sold six or six and a half million records or something like wow. that when people when people bought records, so yeah, it's exactly, pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Um, I remember seeing you on top of the pops and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah top of the pops, and Chris Evans loved us. You know, he had on he had us on his um, I think it was TFI Friday show. Whenever we had anything out, like uh, he'd, he'd say, "Come on, come and be on the show. Come and be on the show." He loved us. You know, yeah, um, rightly so. Thank you very much. I saw. Um, I think it was on either Skins or Skunk Nancy's Instagram, it was a, a postcard with you, I think it was you, Ace, 
skin, Lemmy and my dad, like a little um, Polaroid. Yeah. And like yeah, Lem- yeah. Lemmy said, one of the best bands I've ever seen. So yeah, I know. It just shows how good you were alive, really. Well, you know, it, it, Motorhead for us were like this, like awesome band that we all looked up to, you know, and, and so, and we were just in the same town or they, uh, your dad was playing in the next day or something, or they played the previous day and they were still there. Yeah, yeah. And they came down to our show, um, or they were passing through in the top. I don't know. It, it, it was something like that. You know, we we're in the same sort of area. Yeah. And um, they came down to the show, and I remember <laughs> looking over, seeing Lemmy at the side of the stage. <laughs> what the fuck is Lemmy doing at the side of the stage? And then just absolutely bricking it, you know, yeah. and. and um, thinking oh my god it's like and then that you know and then he he, he courted us with uh with motorhead albums on the bus afterwards going yeah. you know this oh, this next song and then he'd talk us through the song and it'd be blisteringly loud you know and we were all, everyone was drunk and having a great time and it's just one of the best memories you know we've got um of of lemmy and you, you know your dad and, and mickey and just brilliant and just all sitting around having a beer and listening to listening to motorhead <laughs> i think a lot of people said he i've had a similar experience where especially if he had a new album that wasn't out yet you like to show like even fans and guys in other bands or guests or oh, listen to the new album yeah and yeah he'd yeah, like, yeah. He'd he was, blast out the tracks yeah and he yeah. was always super proud of what he'd done and whereas i i, I would always be a bit shy of playing people Mm. you know new skunk stuff because i'd be a bit like oh yeah this is me and but he was always so proud of what he's created which you think is the right way you know but it was never it was never uh obnoxious with it or you know it was was always like lovely and for him to always say we read it loads of times you know that we were one of his favorite live bands was just such um an amazing thing really to hear from from your idols, you know, it's just like that's just awesome. I could die happy now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> Lemmy loves us. You got Lemmy's approval. Exactly. So, yeah. so in my well, you're one of the hardest hitting drummers I've ever seen live, right? <laughs> and that was re- recently as well. Have you right. got any advice for any drummers, hard hitters out there? Do you break many sticks or cymbals? My advice is don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> it costs out. a lot. Yeah. Not only does it cost, I'm going to turn the light on because it's okay. A bit. That's fine. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, hey there you are. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm in darkness. Um, what that's done is light up the room and not me. Oh, this is cool, man. We can see you. It's all good. Anyway, um, that painting, my son, I just bought that from my son who did that. Oh, wow. That's impressive. It's very abstract, but it's very abstract. Oh wow! So your son, your son's an artist. Is he? He is. He's, is he... he's um, he's an artist and a filmmaker and a and a musician and. Oh wow! Um, yeah, he's really creative. It's great. Yeah. Do you know if anyone wants to check out his his art? Is there any way they can look on uh, online? Not his artwork. He hasn't got a website for that yet. But um, his music. He's at Glue on Instagram. So at G L E U. Right. Okay. There you go. Um, Check that out, guys. Alex, yeah, he's very talented. Um, very talented young man. And my wife is um, at 
Erica official, I think. Um, she's uh, an artist in her own right. She also tours with us and does backing oh. vocals and multi-instrumentalist and with Skunk, but she also does her own thing primarily. That's awesome. Yeah. And she's in the other room behind that painting, okay. teaching right now as we what? speak. So. Wow. <laughs> she's, busy. she's head of, uh, yeah, she's a module leader at ICMP, so she's very busy. Um, so what was I saying before I turned the light it's, on? Yeah, sorry, hard-hitting hard drummer, very expensive. Yeah, they're very expensive, not only on your wallet, because you break lots of sticks and lots of skins and lots of cymbals, yeah. but also on, on your body. If you're going to, like, like now I'm sort of starting to suffer with hands, wrists, elbows, mm. shoulders, posture, neck, you know, too much head banging when I was a kid. So yeah. it's all, uh, it's all start, you know, and I'm 50 now, so it's starting to take its toll a little bit so I, I would say i would say it's great and it looks amazing when you're smashing the crap out of the kit well there's a time and place for it like i used to just do it constantly for the whole show yeah. <laughs> no matter what you know um but I'd, I'd say you know it's really it's way more impressive if you save it for the right place in the set okay you know, like, that's interesting um, yeah I, I wouldn't advise it just as a in terms of physicality, mm. like a physical toll on your body over decades. If you're going to keep doing it, it's a really hard thing to do. So, I like now before every tour, I need to get really fit to be able to do that because I can't just go out as a 50 year old. Yeah. You know, I can't just go out and play like that. I have to go and get fit. I don't know what Mickey does or what Mickey did, rather. No, um, but he's still he's playing for the Scorpions. he's playing for Scorpions now. Is he? Yeah, he's a drummer in the Scorpions. That's a good fit for him, isn't it? That's well, it's a bit more chilled out, I guess. But um, he's, <laughs> he's playing he's playing big big gigs anyway, so he's doing well for himself. Oh, good stuff. But uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, do it, man. Um, yeah. I want to get him on the show at some point. <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be cool that'd be i cool. love the scorpions um so it's yeah i, I it's a, it looks amazing and it's a, it makes the drum sound so good yeah but, uh, yeah physically i wouldn't advise it fair enough do you have any so do you warm up before your gigs to, yeah i do, do uh I do, I do some pad work yeah um so let me see if I can get, shine some light on my face here. There we go. I do I do a bit of pad work, and then I, now especially because um, I've got bifurcated shoulder tendons, which means they've basically um, split. So oh the, the, the the tendons that hold your bicep onto your shoulder, that's these a, ones here. Yeah, yeah. On so both sides of that's it. Yeah. I I've, 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 I have a problem with my right one all the time. It flares yeah. up all the time, yeah. So it sounds right. like a similar, it, similar. It could condition. be, could be similar thing. And basically, yeah. what it happens is because you're doing the same thing. Because for years, I didn't, I didn't um, warm up at all. I didn't stretch. I didn't do anything. And then, right. And then started doing lots of stuff in the gym because I was getting older and I needed to get fit. And then, so I would just go to the gym and start doing loads of pull-ups and push-ups, and and it just went pink. Both they just went twang like yeah. this and, and they what happens is they they get fibrous and split so if you imagine like an old piece of elastic with loads of strands in it eventually the outer ones start to 
yeah. start to uh, separate and you're just left with um, the core bit in the middle, which obviously takes more of a strain. But if it's, if it's, if it's giving you like sharp pains, then it's probably the same thing. Yeah. It could be, it could, it might be that, it might not be. So I just have to be really careful. Yeah, well, I, I've got to see a lot of people about it and um, I've had, it depends who I go and see. Yeah, someone's mentioned bicep tendon. Sometimes they just palm it off as rotator cuff injury. And then, but I, like I've looked into it and there's, I say super splenitis or I don't know, something, some tendon up there. But the problem yeah. is everyone's contradicting themselves and each other. Yeah. So I haven't really solved the problem. I've seen a specialist and they just said, because it wasn't hurting at the time, I had to wait like 10 months for a specialist. And then it was fight, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't experiencing any symptoms that time. And they were like, well, can't really do much. Um, but it yeah. just flares up when I use it a lot. And like, I've kind of stopped going to the gym because it was when I was doing a bench press where it, yeah. I had my initial twang and I was like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. I had to put it down. I was like, right, that's not right. And it, yeah. fla- it flares up on when I'm gigging press ups. I don't do anymore because that seems yeah. to ag- aggravate it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I'm just trying to live with it and trying to avoid aggravating it as much as possible. But drumming, it is very, and especially the kind of stuff we play. Um, yeah. I don't hit as hard as you, but I try and make it look like I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, and but everything's linked. And yeah, I, I'm like these days. I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm 33, so but I get all these aches and pains in my neck sore all the time and yeah. you've got to look after yourself. Um, so if anyone is a lot younger than us, um, listen to our advice, kind of take it easy, do your stretches and your warm warm ups, and especially muscles you're not thinking about, like especially stretch your neck left and right forwards and backwards. Cause I think that can seriously, you don't yeah. realize you're using your neck, but you are. Um, but, <laughs> But yeah, and, um... so if, yeah, so basically, um, a lot of my problems stemmed from uh, my neck, from head banging as a kid and damaging. You know, your head's really heavy, and when you're chucking that about like this, you know, it's not good for you. It's really not good for you. So um, eventually, the, that took a toll on the tour, and I was halfway through the tour, and I popped two discs in my neck and I was playing like this because I couldn't lift my arm up I couldn't do that so I was was kind of just getting through the tour by just holding my arm in and and playing as well as I could like this this one was fine so this one was doing all the work but then that's when that happened my shoulder bifurcated on that side because I was doing too much with that hand yeah and then when I got home and I got these I got my neck looked at and then I had injections of uh, particulate steroids into the discs to inflate them uh, so that it took the pressure off the nerves and I could, and it freed my arm up. So if you don't want that, then do your stretches, pay attention to your posture, you know, pay attention to your posture, do exercises that bring your shoulders back and that straighten your neck up, you know, and and, um, if you're going to have a long career in music in drum playing the drums and you need to pay attention to that stuff now yeah even if you're young you know it's really good um because i i don't know about you dane but i'll i'll find like i've straightened myself up now but in yeah. 10 seconds i'll i'll be doing this again 
Yeah, I'm. I, I know. It's, it's just uh, bad habits. It's bad, and it's. I don't know. Do you have yeah. like? Do you have a backrest on your drum stool or anything like that? I do. Yeah. I yeah. Do. I've so um. It throws which is quite good i know the one the yeah. davis stuff which I, which I use live they've got like a, a full-on on backrest so i can just sort of just take a minute and stretch backwards without fear of falling off yeah <laughs> so um yeah nice. that's, that's that's worth doing then um i've got one i've got a patreon page i don't know if you know what that is but um one of my patrons has got a question for you if that's all right Oh yeah, of course. He, his name's Gareth Richards. So hi, Gareth. Thanks for your question. Hi, Gareth. Um, which style of music do you prefer playing? What I mean is, is it perhaps the more gentle, laid-back style of feeder? That's that's debatable. The classic rock of <laughs> Little Angel, or the rawness, brash style that Skunk and Nancy has? Oh. Is it easy to adapt to each style? Yeah, I mean, you know, with. With skunk, we're, we're, one minute we're playing a ballad, the next minute we're playing skankheads, and then the next minute we're playing, you know, um, ugly boy. So you've got like ballad, mid-tempo stomper, and then like just nutty, fucking weird punk, you know, um, prog song. So it's like <laughs> it's really I've, there's everything in there that you could possibly. I I think it d- depends. Um, on the set but sometimes like the last skunk set was like really intense for about half the set and then we got a chance to just chill out on a couple of songs so it's really nice to get to the slower more ballady ones or the mid-tempo ones um when you've got a set that's like really sort of intense at the beginning and probably my favorite ones to play are the are the you know the charlie big potatoes the skankheads the just the ones that are a little just a bit weird you know yeah um, yes it's fucking political that those kinds of things you know just the ones that are a bit well i guess i guess um just a bit odd odd times and weird arrangements and just not very normal <laughs> yeah well that <laughs> makes know? sense because if you're playing normal stuff for two hours or hour and a half i guess you need something to keep you keep you on your toes. So when when one of those songs yeah. comes up, I guess it's like, oh, I like this one. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, um, I did a, a year or so with Amy McDonald as a session player. Okay. And that was one of the most enjoyable um, times I've had as a drummer. You know, and and that was just it was really lovely. You know, to to um, go and p- play her sort of. I guess it's uh, I guess it's kind of folky pop. Uh, and that was just re- a really nice change, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. I'll check that yeah. out. Yeah. So I, I've, I've loved I've loved all the bands that I've been in. I've really enjoyed just being a musician and then living from it. So I, you know, I think if 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 I had to sort of pick one style. It would be really, it would be almost impossible because, you know, like you say, it's just nice to, it's nice to get the move from one style to another and, um, and just play lots of different kinds of things. Awesome. Uh, good answer. I think I would kind of agree <laughs> with you then, you know, it depends. And it depends on how you're feeling that, on that day and stuff yeah, as well. It does. Yeah. So I'm um, coming to the end now. Sorry to keep you. Yeah. 
Have you uh, read your, uh, you're into your, your motorcycles? Um, I know a few of my listeners are as well. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the, the kind of events you've been a part of in, in Africa and stuff like that I've read about? Yeah, so I've been uh, around, I've done um, quite a few trips, quite a few long trips. I've done Africa twice, uh, three times. I've done India with my wife on the back. Oh, wow. With, um, we went from uh, Goa, then down through the middle of India and ended up in Cochin in the south. Wow. Um, and then, and that was an amazing trip. Uh, where else have I been? Um, done quite a lot. Those were with Riders for Health. I now called Two Wheels for Life. So um, sort of uh, the Africa ones especially were through um, uh, Southern Africa mainly and just checking out and uh, Zambia uh, and the Gambia as well um, and Zambia is, is an amazing country and we we rode through it and we were taken to on the last trip I did I was the official photographer for the for the trip and and we did um, some amazing we saw some amazing um, uh, health met sorry not being very clear Right. met some amazing health workers and visited some health centers and you know you, you can't underestimate the difference a motorcycle makes to those people because it's the difference between walking 25 miles to deliver a sample of blood or take a sample of blood and then walking 25 miles back as a doctor then sending it off to get tested you know but more often than not by the time it gets to the laboratory it's spoiled you know so the oh, results wow. are, yeah. So with a motorcycle, they can do, they can go, <clears throat> they can get there in well, about 25, 20, 25 minutes, take the blood sample, and they can do another few villages and then go back, send them all off. All the blood samples are, you know, they, they're kept cool, they're not spoiled, they get, the sample, they get the results quickly and they can dispatch those results quickly as well. So um, make a massive, massive difference. And that was really the work that I did with them was sort of raising money to provide motorcycles for uh, Two Wheels for Life or Riders for Health as they still are in, in Africa. They're Two Wheels for Life now in, in Europe. But, um, uh, and that's, and yeah, and that's the work that they do. But yeah, I've done uh, loads of trips uh, with, with my wife. We love going on biking holidays and just loading up the, the bike and going camping and getting Airbnbs and just riding around. We did, we did Scotland a couple of times, uh, with Scotland rather and New Zealand and, um, oh no, sorry, that was in a camper, camper van we did New Zealand, but yeah, Scotland we did, uh, I and I just did it again, actually. I just did, um, a bike trip from Lizard Point in Cornwall to John and Groats. What? Uh, <laughs> last week <laughs> oh wow wow i timed this well then <laughs> yeah and that that was that was just for fun that was a as a marshal with the malay london boys who run this trip every year and uh, and it's all on tiny little roads coastal roads and there's no motorways there's very little dual carriageway um and it's yeah it was an awesome trip and then we just camp every night and have some amazing food sit around a campfire and talk rubbish Sounds amazing, man. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I need, I need to have these little adventures, you know, I, I do. It's sort of part of uh, what keeps me happy. And um, especially at the moment when 
things are so uncertain you know we've, we've got to have these little things that um that just give us a little boost you know so Totally. Yeah, we did that. We took fifty riders from Lizard Point to John O'Groats and had a good had a good time. Yeah, it was fantastic. Fun. I'm sure you did. <laughs> right. Awesome. So this is my last question that I ask everyone. Yeah. So not including members of Skank and Nancy, if you could make your own dream band with yourself on drums, who would yeah. be the other members of the band, dead or alive? Oh, hello. hello. Hello, mate. Finding where have you been? The doors open. God knows where he's been. <laughs> What's his name? What's his name? That's Purdy. 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 Come here. He's run outside. Is that after Bernard? No, it's Bernard. after the gun. Well, we rescued him from a gamekeeper who had Purdy guns. But, oh right. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but that's yeah. The the new story is yeah. It's after the yeah, <laughs> drummer. <laughs> the drummer. Um. God, I guess it'd have to be, uh, let's see, it'd have to be maybe Dave Grohl would have to be in there. Cool. Probably on, probably on, uh, guitar, on bass. Let's put him on bass. Chuck him on bass? Have, <laughs> yeah. And then we'd, oh, maybe vocals. He's such a, got, such a great voice. Yeah. Let's have Lemmy on, let's have Lemmy on bass and uh Jimi Hendrix on guitar. Awesome. That would be amazing. I think something like that. Um, oh, it's just, oh, it's so, that is so hard. You put me on the spot. Yeah, right, well, man. yeah, well, I do it every time. <laughs> it is hard, it is hard. No, man, that's, man, that, that with you, Dave Grohl, Lemmy and Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> if only you could actually put that together. Wonder if there was software oh. out there that could like get samples from each musician and kind of stick it in the right key and, that would be, I reckon that's something that could be done one day. It's a business idea. Let's it do is. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We need something at this, <laughs> at this point. Something that doesn't involve live music. Exactly. But man, that's, thanks so much for taking the time to chat to me. Anyway, I hope you've had, a, hope you've had fun. I've, I've really enjoyed what you've had to say. My pleasure. Man. I've learned a lot of interesting things. You've been amazing. So thanks again. Okay, man. Have a great evening. Cheers, Dane. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye now. Bye. Run for the Song podcast. I really hope you enjoyed that episode, guys. I learned a lot about Mark. I knew a lot about his drumming with Feeder and Skunk and Nancy. But to be honest, I didn't know anything about his addiction problems. I'd never listened to Little Angels before. So I'm definitely going to go and check that band out now. But I'm sure you'll agree. He seems like a completely cool, down-to-earth guy. And he seems to really want to help other people, which is great. Please let me know what you thought by either leaving a comment in the comment section on YouTube, or please leave a review if you're listening to me on a podcast app, which allows you to do that. But if you enjoyed this episode, you can go back and check out any of my other episodes before this. And for anyone who really wants to support me, because you think you'll enjoy more podcast content from myself. I do have a Patreon page at the moment. It's www.patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a website for creators and for fans of the creators to kind of support financially by donating like a monthly sum. 
And in return, I will try and make it worth your while by giving you back some exclusive content. For example, I do one bonus episode per month that you can access that if you pay £3 a month and any of the other tiers up from that. But if you look at the other tiers, you can also get access to my monthly Q&A session that I do via Zoom, which is really great because I get to meet some of you guys. On the higher tier, I can give you a shout out and I'll put you in the episode description. And I can also get you a free ticket to one of my gigs with Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. So while we're on the topic, I'd like to give a massive thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons. We've got Dean S. Monaghan, Rudy Pauly, Gareth Richards and Dan Hurst. It's been great to chat to some of these guys on the Zoom Q&A session. So get involved. At the moment, as most of you are probably in similar situations, we've gone back into, I guess, a second wave lockdown. All of our gigs with Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons have been cancelled or postponed to next year. So the only gig I've actually played uh, this year was Depp In for another drummer in January and I got paid £50. Um, so in the meantime, I'm looking for other ways to pay my bills, I suppose. So supporting me via Patreon is really, really helpful, more than you probably realise. So thanks to everyone who already does. It really means a lot. Thank you. If you really want to support me, but you don't really fancy a monthly donation, that's cool as well. You can go to supporter.acast.com forward slash drum hyphen for hyphen the hyphen song. And you can just make a one-off donation for any amount you want, really. And you're all guesting me eventually. So that's another option for anyone who just wants to help me out. Thank you. I won't babble on for too much longer now. I just want to make sure that you're all subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell button because then YouTube will notify you whenever I release a new episode or a trailer. And if anyone would be so kind as to share the podcast on their social media so their friends can hear about it, that is more helpful than you realize. So feel free to do that. And until next time, and don't forget to drum for the song.